On today's episode of An Echo of Glory, we talk about that fantastic win against Manchester United, build up to the Bournemouth game with broadcaster Paul Belveston, and we address that controversial hooliganism comment from last week. Welcome to another episode of An Echo of Glory. Returning to the show, Gary Diamond. Thanks for having us back. And Jake Robson, the old team back together. The team, the, the OGs. Band. Yeah. Uh, Gary, where have you been? Turkey, a couple of weeks with the family. All oh, right. When you get, not for the hair, when, they, when you're going back for them to fill that in. Cheers. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. If, if I'd gone for hair yeah. and I came back like this, I'd be very disappointed. <laughs> Apart from anything, that, that this would take four or five visits. It's going to be done in if one. If you'd gone and come back with hair like that, it would have worked very fast. Yeah, he's doing fine. What are you talking fine. about? Like, look at that. that looks <laughs> like, oh, it's, it's really thinning. Jake's hair always looks on point. Perfect. Like yours, that? Johnny. Thank you. I'm getting it cut later, so let's crack on because I've got to go for a haircut. <laughs> Je- jealous enough. Let's crack on. Uh, club news. A little bit of a joke last season was that the youth teams were bloody awful. Um, not mm. happening this year, certainly with the 21s. Uh, on the back of the 5-0 win at City on the opening weekend... Uh, they've thumped Newcastle 4-1 at home. Uh, so that's a great start. Top of the league, ahead of Arsenal. Uh, and they play Derby next weekend. The under-18s didn't play. Um, they're away to Arsenal uh, next weekend. So let's hope uh, they improve on their first weekend defeat. Um, we have an in- a World Cup runner-up uh, in our team, Beth England. Again, I wasn't sure how much she was going to play, but she came on uh, in the final. Couldn't really affect the game. England were pretty poor in all honesty Spain were good they were second best in every regard Spain were worthy winners of the game Um, and it was I I just thought such high expectations of that England women's team and they just didn't deliver and we've all seen that before from both our club and national teams so it was just fitting with our sporting lives (laughs) no but they've the Euro winners and World Cup runners up I I think that's a a pretty good start yeah yeah yeah. uh, under Wiegmann Uh, the ladies team assigned two players Czech goalkeeper Barbara Wojtykova don't know Indeed. Much. Yeah, <laughs> don't think we know much about her, but uh, and finished midfielder Olga Artin, who I have seen. She's not finished. She's very good, actually. Oh, very good. <laughs> <laughs> the jokes are rolling. Wow. <laughs> Might have to put comedy in the wow. old uh, search section for this for this show. Some canned laughter. Uh, I have actually seen her play. Uh, decent midfielder, cr- uh, quite creative. Uh, I think the, the the women's team need that. Um, the men. We sold uh, a man called Harry Kane a few weeks ago now, uh, and we haven't. I don't want to say replace him because you can't replace Harry Kane, but the money, the Kane money has not been spent. Chelsea have signed three players since we sold Harry Kane. Probably don't need any of them. Uh, we'll talk about the game, obviously, in depth in a minute. Well, they don't but need Caicedo based on yesterday. Say again? They don't need Caicedo based no, on yesterday. No, it was a poor debut. Yeah. Um, but we have been saying this, and I say this every week. We've been saying this for X number of weeks. We have too many players. Ange has said it as well. We've got to start shifting players out. We do, and I think we still will. I, I actually think the way that the transfer window started when we got in the, the we, we signed the new goalkeeper, we signed Madison, we signed Solomon, um, which I think, although some fans debate whether those are the, the positions that we initially needed to fill, I think it was good to you know to, to to have some movement. And I think with players going out, I think that can happen right up until the end. I'm not really sure where we're at over the potential moves of some players. But I also think there might be still room for maybe one more signing to come in as well. I at mean, least. And having having Davinson Sanchez now played in that first game at Brentford, everybody wanted him out. Suddenly it looks like maybe there's a place for him, not in the starting eleven, yeah. but it, it, you know, he he more than he more than made up for the the hole left by Romero in that first game against Brentford. Mm. You're thinking, well, if something happened to one of them, maybe Sanchez under Ange is a different prospect. Yeah. For example, who else are we thinking might? we might need to get to, to move on. Suddenly Perisic has now got some game time as a very, very worthwhile sub coming on, playing high up on the left, not in that uh, exactly. left back position. Mm-hmm. Exactly and that. I wonder if there could be more time for, uh, further down the line where the Porro might find himself on that right-hand side uh, as a sub. So suddenly you're looking at it and going, well, well who, I think who there's, we, there's, there's Dombele, there's Loris, there's probably Dyer. Yeah. Dyer will see. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure in Dombele and Loris will go. I, I don't think we need to necessarily worry about. They're not going to be there, kind of stinking the place out. Somebody mm-hmm. else, especially. Well, even if they have to go, even if they have to go for 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 very, you know, Ndombele. I mean, what, what are they talking about? Like eight million or something? I thought I've read that Galatasaray offered six. Right, and we want we want twelve or something. Wow. Well, eventually, we'll have to take it. <laughs> Gary, incomings thoughts. I think it was interesting the game against United. 
um, all but one player, Son, has been signed since Paratici came to the club a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, so it's in the starting eleven. In sorry. the starting eleven, mm. yeah. So it's clear to see the rebuild. Very clear to see the rebuild. And actually, um, I don't wish to make this necessarily about Paratici, but 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 I think where there had been a lot of questions about the quality and calibre of the players that were coming in, uh, those are, are starting to be answered. And I think we're all pretty happy with, with the starting eleven. The, the concern remains, I think, for myself and, and most people is that a lot of the players in that starting eleven are prone to injury. You look at Romero, you look at uh, Bissouma, uh, Madison, who went off in a, in, in, you know, he's got scan coming up now, <coughs> Kulisevsky, um, Son himself, Richarlison. There's a lot of players there that are prone to injury. And, and whilst the starting eleven is looking good, if Romero is out, suddenly we're looking short. If Madison is out, okay, we've got Celso to come in, but that's a guy that has to step up and do a hell of a lot better than he has in the past. Mm. And it's the squad behind that that starts to make me feel a bit concerned a little bit. And so, yeah, I'm desperate for players to leave the club in order to create the space for a centre-back a central midfielder and a forward player and I think if we got those three in then with no Europe this season that ought to be enough to get us through hopefully I wouldn't be surprised like you said and we said previously if Sanchez is now I think he is ahead of Dyer, but so much ahead of Dyer that he's actually going to stay in the squad I think you've seen how high we play um, I just think his pace uh, will suit Ange and I'm not convinced he will go out and spend Whatever money is left on a centre half. No, but but but, but we we still are going to need one because I think you need to have four centre backs, right? Mm. You know, it, it, it's a lot to ask Van de Ven to play thirty-eight league games this season. Romero is not going to play thirty-eight league games this season, yeah. either through injury or suspension. He ain't going to play thirty-eight league games. So if you only have Sanchez coming in to cover a fair percentage or proportion of of, of those games, you're run, You're pretty thin on the ground there you definitely still need another really good, solid, dependable centre-back. 100% you need that. Um, and, and that's even with Sanchez staying. So, you know, uh, if it's Sanchez plus one and those are your four, and then you've got maybe Phillips or, 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 or Dorrington behind them, fine. With a season without Europe, that, that could well be okay. But I, I would still, ideally in the ideal world, Sanchez isn't good enough for where we want to go and I would love to see him and Dyer go and two centre-backs come in that's probably unrealistic so I would stick with Sanchez over Dyer I think there's still a question mark hanging over whether uh, over, over where Tosin is going to go for the Fulham Tosin Adarabaya the Fulham centre-back oh, I, I, don't, I don't want Monaco, him huh? I don't want him why? <laughs> a guy that actively wants to go to Monaco clearly wants to go to Monaco over coming to Tottenham I don't care how good you are. Like I don't want you. It's not the right attitude. Clearly, he hasn't watched any of Ange ball yet. If he doesn't want to sign, yeah, he, 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 he doesn't trust himself to compete. Like he doesn't want that challenge. So, like, listen, I'm only saying it from the outside in. He's probably got, definitely has his own reasons, but it's not the message I want to see from a player coming in, right? Like I don't care how good he is or not good. You want to go to Monaco and not Tottenham? Go. We'll find somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that happens, though, a lot, doesn't it? And if he does end up at Tottenham, we'll all cheer him when he's there. Of course. Well, yeah. so... so of, of course, but, 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 but this is a guy that, that it seems to be actively pushing to go to Monaco. He's choosing to... Who the, sorry, who the hell wants to go it's and play? It's an odd choice. It, it, who the hell wants to go I know we're biased, play? but it, does, it is an odd choice. Right, it's it's not, this isn't even about, this isn't even live, about yeah. Tottenham. Nice cars. But this isn't even about Tottenham. <laughs> this is about wanting to play in the Premier League. Right, like, yeah, I don't get it. If it's true, that is an odd thing to come out and say, I want to go to Monaco, not Tottenham. The one position that or player we do seem to be linked with is this Gift Auburn. I hadn't seen him play since I looked at YouTube. Every time I click on Twitter at the weekend, he seems to have scored another goal uh, for Ghent. Well, again, we'll come to Saturday, but Richarlison came off, some went down the middle. Perisic came on, as, as you said, did well. I didn't think he did so well when he came on against Brentford, but he looked good playing the 20 minutes he got <clears throat> at the weekend. Uh, Solomon came on, bit of a Jose Dominguez uh, debut, lovely bit of skill, and the crowd got up. Great, and he's—that's the kind of player he is. I don't think he's a starter. He'll be a good squad player sub, impact player. Do we need? Do we? I know we need a nine. We do need a nine, and maybe Ange doesn't want a nine because Son might play that. Do we? Do we need another forward? Uh, yeah. Okay. Sorry, we need to replace Harry Kane. 
do we need in your head do you think god do we need another winger that can play out front no. like gift Auburn because he's not a nine yeah I, I just think we need another another body a body a body but what is that body is that. it in your opinion is it a winger that can play in the middle or is it a nine like Vlajevic well listen I don't think we're going to get anyone okay. in who's going to be the nine to start every yeah, game I agree so I, I'm looking at Auburn and I'm thinking, okay, yes, and he's another squad player, as it were, with the likes of Solomon, with the likes potentially him, you know, to come on last 20 minutes. I mean, he's very young as well. He's mm. definitely, and I, I, in any case, I can't see who else is out there who's going, we're going to pay the money and the wages for to come in and be the literal replacement for Harry Kane and be our number nine and score us 20 goals. There, there just isn't any. I think the only like, person I can think of if it isn't Vlajevic is Ivan Tony. And right. we have to wait a while, and he wouldn't be match fit. No. So that's, th and we're not the only club that would want him. No. So, you know, I just think Vlavic, he's the, he's the, the guy out there, but he's just, it's just not, not going to happen. I can't see that happening. So, therefore, I think we do need another player who maybe can play a bit inside and a bit on the wing as well. Yeah, sure. I mean, okay. anyone, really. Anyone that's, that, that they think is good because I'm one of these people that if, especially now Ange if Ange wants him yeah. I'm fully behind him yeah. so whoever they think that, but I do think there's a gap that needs that, that needs okay. filling there okay. but I think Richarlison though I don't know um, if we were going to come on and, and talk we about are. this we will not we necessarily are. about the game but as a player it's starting to look to me like he could be potentially or Ange sees him in a bit like Klopp saw Firmino mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily well, definitely didn't get them 20 goals a season, but it was almost the the, the, the unseen, the work off the ball, because you know that he's going to therefore do enough. And his link-up play is not bad. He's quite smart. He's quite quick and off the cuff. And some of the work that he does is going to bring in your Madisons, if it's Papsar playing up there, Bissouma, the guys on the wing. So I, I'm, I, I know people say, oh, yeah, Son might play there. I think Ange... I think Ange is pretty happy with... I'm not ready to rule him out. He's basically started two games for us. I mean, he started a couple of games last year and I think it was against Fulham. He was excellent and then didn't start yeah, again. Yeah, but last year doesn't count. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, different system, yeah. different mentality, different way of playing. He barely played. He barely played. And he was under yeah. so much pressure when he did play because he knew that he wasn't going to start next well, week. Well, and I think, well, so I, I, think, I think people need to understand that actually he's... N I don't think Ange even sees him as the, the Kane replacement in terms of goals. No one thinks... If, if anybody wants, expects him to score 15 or 20 goals and if that's what you're going to judge him on, he's not good enough, no, that's not what it's one about. One would be nice. No, well, <laughs> that's not what it's about. I think it's actually All the right, work Antonio, that he's chill out. <laughs> <laughs> but we've also had two... Let's not... Let's, we've, we've had two pretty good performances that he has been part of and... Mm. He hasn't played in those games and been an obvious week. He's not the reason we haven't maybe scored more goals in these games. He hasn't missed any glaring. He had a, a sort of volley-ish chance on the left against Brentford, but he he hasn't had any, you know, he hasn't missed any sitter. You know, look at the, the Rashford and the Fernandes chance the other day. No, but there is an argument, so I'd like him to miss a sitter because it means he's got on the end of one. Yeah, but maybe that's not the role that Ange is wanting him to put. I don't know if Ange... It's two games in. Yeah. We, I don't understand the theory of we're not going to get Vlavic. Go and get him. I mean, sorry, Juve are in financial distress. Okay, go and get him. Mm -hmm. He's 23 years old. We're, we're building a young team, a young, a young squad. You're not going to replace Harry Kane. I'm not suggesting that Vlaovic is anywhere close to Harry Kane, but he is oh, no, a fantastically he's good a player, he's a, a proper number nine. Yeah. And if you put Vlaovic in this team instead of a Charleston, then I think it takes us to another level completely that, that, that we're not yet at. Go and get him. Why not? I, I, don't see, I don't see any reason or an excuse to not get him. That's for Gift Orban. Yeah, I also agree. Listen, I'm not like for stockpiling players. We're not Chelsea. I'm also not one to say just throw money around. But if this player is as talented and as good as we think and can cover a position on the wing or up front, I would say go and get him, go and get Vlahovic and sell Richardson. That's where I would okay, be at. That's not going to happen. No. Right, well, how much do you want to pay for Vlahovic? That's irrelevant. But they won't do it. It's, it's, it's irrelevant how much you want to pay for him. We've got money. And if we have real ambition of not only competing for the top four, but building a team to challenge for the title... Go and get Vlahovic. Right. Almost a nice link there. Because <clears throat> we're going to talk about the man who has to spend the money in a minute. Um, Set but, it up nice. And then you. before we come on to Saturday, look, a comment on last week's show uh, caused a bit of a stir um, on social media and, and on our YouTube channel. And I think it's only right that uh, we acknowledge it. I can understand why Jake Sanders' comment, which mentioned hooligans and flares, uh, bothered some. It was taken out of context. And I think some people linked it to, to Jake talking about uh, the Enoch out uh, demos. Uh, the reference with, was with regard other protests at other clubs, uh, and he 
nor us on this pod have ever seen the Enoch out demo uh, term violent. So I, I you know, I think he had in his mind the United fans storming into Old Trafford. Yeah. Um, there was an interview with the uh, Ian, uh, Irving. Ian Irving, and they were, and, and, and you know they were going to talk about that. So I, I get what was on Jake's mind. I think it was. And, and to confirm, we 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 we'd interviewed Ian before the show gets edit, edited in, and I think subconsciously he was still talking about that. And to reiterate, Jake and I know I've spoken to him and the pod and me you know everyone who's been on this pod no one thinks that the Enoch out uh lot turn turn violent and that li- links us into saturday with two protests the trust ticket protest which i i missed unfortunately i couldn't get there in time and the Enoch out demo both passed off well they they got out of it what i think they wanted to get out of it in terms of numbers and and how it went um but let's talk about levy because we've kind of avoided it a little bit uh, on this pod we've only been going about three months and it's such a a sensitive subject I think for everyone uh, everyone has their different views this pod doesn't have a view it doesn't align someone in the week was calling us a Levy stooge a Levy loving we don't this pod does not have any leanings either way we all have individual feelings on it Tottenham means something to everybody in different ways and my personal opinion is the man could have done better and we're lucky to have him in in, in certain aspects but errors have been made certainly in the last five years where are you on on the situation? I, I really, really don't enjoy this topic. I actually hate it because it is the most single divisive issue within our fan base and, and it's bred intolerance on all sides of others. Um, it's alienated sections of the fan base from one another um, and it has at times become vicious on social media um, because it drives such high emotion. Um, and the shame of it all with this topic is that Every single person who holds a view does so out of a deep passion for the club and what is best for the club. And it's really important to understand this because nobody holds a view on this topic for personal gain, okay? Um, They hold the view because of a deep love for the club and and what they believe is best for it. So why it causes such division is actually tragic in many ways because if actually there was more tolerance of different viewpoints, um, I genuinely think that you know, that there are issues with the board. There are valid issues um, that, that the Levy out, or people who, who support Levy out, there are valid issues and valid concerns that they have that people could get behind. Um, but, but I think, it, 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 you know, and, and hold the board to account or a new owner to account when a new owner comes in. But if you're asking me what my, my own personal view is on this, um, then it's this. Look, quite simply, if you're somebody who is unwilling and unable to acknowledge and accept that Daniel Levy has done a tremendous amount of good for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, and that as a club we are far better positioned and set up for success today than at possibly any time in our history, then I'm sorry you are warped by extreme agenda, in my view. Conversely, if you are someone who is unwilling and unable to accept that Daniel Levy has also made and continues to make horrendous footballing decisions and mistakes that have and do cost us success on the pitch, And if you don't question if he has the ambition and appetite to achieve that success and you can't see that he consistently doesn't really give a fuck about the fans, then you also are warped by extreme agenda, in my view. So where am I on this topic is simply this. I would love to see someone who is invested in making the club a genuine success on the pitch and and, and someone come in and make a real-world offer to buy us. I'm not going to qualify what I mean by real-world but if you're saying sell for a billion when Chelsea has sold for 4.25 and haven't made a profit in 20 years, get with it. A real, somebody comes in and makes a real world offer for this club and Daniel Lee, and, and, and they have the intentions to make this club an absolute roaring success on the pitch. And that is their motivation. And Daniel Levy blocks or stands in the way of that. That is when I would become staunchly Levy out because that is the moment at which he is holding this club back from genuine progress. Now, whether Levy himself wants to achieve that progress or not, you can't really impact or affect. He isn't going anywhere until there is a buyer. Mm. So in my view, what we should be focused on is not Levy in or out, it is holding the board to account on issues that mean something to us and unifying behind those issues. Levy is not the devil. He's done great things for the club. He's also been deeply disappointing and let us down horrifically in other areas. That's the truth of it, as far as I'm concerned. That's my truth of his tenure. Um, And so going forwards, let's try to find a way to make him step up, assure us success on the pitch, 
or present ourselves as a club like United Day. They, they, they put together a memorandum as to what they wanted from ownership. They went out to the world and said, this is what we want from ownership. Okay, they're going to end up with Qataris, but, you know, maybe not, not ideal for moral reasons, but, you know, th- let's do something like that. Yeah. Let's present to the world, come and buy us. This is what we want as a football club. But Levy and are out. I'm more concerned about somebody come and buy us who really wants to make us a, su- a success on the pitch or let's hold Levy accountable to making us a success but do it in the right way but let's stop turning on one another and be more tolerant of our views because we're all in this together we're all in this together and we're all coming from the right place that we want the best for the club I can't disagree with any of that really absolutely not bring back Alan Sugar I say (laughs) but that's the point isn't it like look at where we are versus Alan Sugar versus Irving Scholar right you know Irving Scholar was actually a little bit ahead of his time unfortunately for him he was like he he, okay but but look at where the club is like I said we are very well set up for success Daniel Levy has done a lot of good but I do strongly question if he has the ambition and appetite yeah to make us a success on the pitch Jake where are you because I know that we've talked off air and and, uh, personally together and I think I was in line with you. My views have, I was not close to Levy out maybe a year ago or even six, eight months ago. Now I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not staunch, but I'm certainly now very much, what is going on here? This, he needs to change. And as, as Gary says, if he's not going to change, someone has to come in and push the club on. The one thing I do think about it though, in terms of, I know I agree with you about some of the, some of the footballing decisions. He, he tried to go down. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, it's going to sound like I'm defending him. Pro- possibly I am. But the way we were going with managers, so let, let's say we're happy with this managerial appointment. We were obviously very happy with Pochettino. We were happy with... We weren't uh, happy with Pochettino at the time. And, and actually a lot, of the, a lot of the stuff was that that came out of, uh, uh, he was second or third choice. I think we were going for... De Boer, uh, De Boer. and Van Gaal. Exactly. Well, look how, le- look how they turned out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, but the yeah. point is, the narrative at the time when Pochettino okay, was... Okay, but that, but that turned out to be a good decision, is what I'm saying. Where the, People would say got lucky. Well, okay, fine. But, but my point is, if you take out the fact... He then tried to do something different with Mourinho and Conte, which clearly that didn't work. But, but, it, but he was trying to do something different to what he'd done before. And I think and if you're going to defend him with Mourinho and Conte... And, no, and I'm, I'm not... Well, I, no, no, I am, but, but no, 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 but let's talk about this, right? With Mourinho and Conte, I think he was trying to elevate the status of the club with big-name managers at a time when we'd moved into the stadium. And I think he was also trying to appeal to Harry Kane to say, we do have the ambition to win now. Now, whether or not he matched that with investment, and actually the investment has been much better since we moved into the stadium, but the recruitment in the, in the first instance with the likes of Ndombele and Lo Celso and Sessegnon was dreadful, right? But I think that was the message. Overarching that, though, is that he completely corrupted the DNA of what we are and what we stand for. But I do understand where he was coming from with it. It just... Was all wrong. Yeah, I see. That's what you're going to say. That yeah. getting those Sorry. managers, getting no, no, those no. managers in, yeah. was trying to elevate the club. Yeah. Now the fact is, it didn't work. Mm. But I, but I almost, in terms of in terms of managerial appointments, okay. Where did we get? I don't know. We got lucky. Yeah, we got lucky with Poch. You know. But before that, okay, AVB didn't work. But we had Red Now. You know, managerial wise, I f- I don't I wouldn't put a lot at his door. I think actually. In the last few, the last few goes. I mean, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens with Ange. It does feel like in the last few years, by having I don't know who's been responsible for. Obviously, we have Paratici. I'm not really sure what's going on now, but the recruitment it feels like in the last four, three, four, five years has taken a bit of an upward turn. Mm. And we have, as you said, we've got these players in now. I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm just willing to give it, give it more of a. Ch- I sort of feel like better the devil you know a lot of the time and I, and I think people want they sort of see, see this land of milk and honey yeah, and this I mean, new owner that's going to come in and now suddenly you look at United I mean they are in an absolute state and, 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 and you see things on Twitter like um, Mike Ashley was a better a chairman for Newcastle I mean, come on grow up you look at Everton and people yeah. like Daniel Levy is not the worst chairman but he also has made horrendous errors. Yeah, but the thing is, things. Ca- I mean, look at Arsenal. It wasn't that long ago that they wanted they wanted their owners out. Now, their owners have had a look. Something's happened there. Right. Something's happened there. And they've tweaked think- it on the pitch. They've got rid of all the dead wood and the bad eggs, and they've signed good players. 
and they spent. Well, they brought money. in Edu as well, didn't they? And it's he's been a basically change running there. The, him and the and um, uh, Josh Cronk, who's Stan's son, are kind of working closely. They've they've had a change at boardroom level, if not in personnel, but in philosophy and ideas of way of doing. Mm. So I do always. I, I am one of these people that always that thinks actually you can change and think you can make things. It doesn't necessarily need to be cutting but I think at the top. Do, do, do you believe? that Daniel Levy has the ambition and appetite to do what it takes to make us title winners. But what does do what it takes mean? What does that look like? Because I well, think go and he, spend I the Harry Kane money on Vlahovic for well, a start. I think he wants to do it, but I think he wants to do it. He wants to try and do it in the way that he wants to do it. And he's got an idea of how he wants to go. And I think that's part it. of the problem. I think they've moved the club on when they bought the club. It's a very different club. Uh, I just wonder whether this has all got too big for them now. Maybe. I always say this to people. It is so much better being a Tottenham fan now than it was 15 or 20 oh, years God, ago. Oh, God, you wouldn't believe it by reading some of the stuff you well, read. Exactly, but I that's totally, my point. I do agree I, with I think you. People, people forget. When I was growing up, a top half finish was, was celebrate, time to celebrate. <laughs> Europe, we never played in Europe. Literally, okay, you, there's more European places now. We rarely finish top six. Now... We go into every season, maybe not this season or last, but we're, we're talking about top four. We're definitely talking and, about And Europe. we talk about nuance, and that's up against your cities, Chelsea's, Absolutely. United. And in those Liverpool. days, when, when we were really shit, you know, United won it every year. Okay, Liverpool were kicking about, Newcastle sometimes. Now, I mean, this year, we're looking at a top eight. How, where are you going to finish in the, in the top eight? Now, Villa have come along, Newcastle Brighton. Come along. It is a Brighton. It is a much harder league. And the fact is, the fact that we've been most of the time finishing in the Champions League places and we've been in that conversation. You know, we had a tilt at the title a couple of years under Pochettino. I, I personally, it, I, I wouldn't look at it as... But a lot of people say it's been failure and, it's, and, and, and words like that. And I'm thinking, but hold on a second. But the, what about when we were... I'm not going to name names, but when we were signing you-know-who that we were signing in the mid to, that mid to late 2000s and the, and the managers that were, came and gone in, in months and... You having a pop at Andy Booth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he scored a goal know, that was offside against West Ham and I don't, have a and I don't care what people say he was know, disallowed but he still scored Richarlison <laughs> <laughs> you know the move into I, I, I look forward to go to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium every week and get there an hour an hour and a half early and have a couple I never did but that in the he's in the built all stadium. that and it's great but we've got to we've got to we've yeah, got but to no, see but I just think improvement on the pitch just certainly to, over to the last use words years. like we, we're a failure and we're yeah, an embarrassment. Like you know, these kind no, of but things. No, but this is the point. So this is, this is the point that I was trying yeah. to make, right? There is, there, there is sort of extreme views about this. And that's what I was trying to say. If you cannot acknowledge the good that he has done whilst also acknowledging how he has let the club down on the pitch in other areas, because the truth is in the middle. The mm. truth is very much in the Absolutely. middle of this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the issue, and the reason I hate discussing this with anybody really is because it, it is so divisive and people are so opinionated and strongly entrenched in their views. And, and you know, if you don't agree entirely, entirely, then you are a Levy Stooge or you're a frother or this and that. And, and I'm guilty of it as well. I, you know, I know, but, but, but let's get real. You know, when you sit down and actually analyse it, the truth is in the middle, okay? He has built the club fantastically well. We have also not achieved the success I think the truth is in the middle, but I think at the moment it's leaning towards... It's leaning towards... Yeah. We need to do more. Yeah. Okay. We have this opportunity with the stadium and, and the setup yeah. to do more. Now go and do it. Right. You That's said yeah. you said in your uh, great speech that, and, and I agree, and you agree, we're all in this together. And what was brilliant about Saturday was that they had their protest outside, and what went on went on. Great. It wasn't brought in. There was. I didn't hear mm. any. No. Any anti-Levy stuff in the ground? It was all getting behind Spurs. The, there was a trumpet. The bloke played a trumpet just before kickoff. Brilliant. And I was like, "What's going on here?" Is this, they brought the Barmy Army in or something. <laughs> it, was, it was brilliant. Brilliant. He got whoever cho- ma- uh, decided that. I'm not going to say genius because it might have been Levy or Cullen. Are we allowed to say that? Uh, but great idea. And and, and the drum as well. And, and we we made a joke about this that, that we weren't sure what the drummer would. Well, play. I was going to come to that. Yeah. yeah. During the game, I was like, actually, in my head, oh God, that drum's been going off for ages and it's been brilliant. 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 And so the whole atmosphere was great. Gary, Let's talk. Give us a rendition on. of the drum. Mate, I couldn't even. <laughs> it was, it, I, I couldn't even. <laughs> Don't even ask. I've got no rhythm. Um, but the game kicked off. Uh, let's talk about the game. Um, would, I, it, would it have been different in terms of uh, Levy out chance that if we'd gone 2 0 down after 20 minutes? You, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. But we, it didn't happen. No. I think everybody, once they were in the ground, 
wanted to watch Ange ball yeah. and wanted the team to do well. Yeah. And you can't sort of, you know, say what would have happened if we'd gone behind. Yeah. I'd like to think that the team were we're playing in a behind. way yeah. right. that, that, that we wanted to support and we could see what they were trying to well, do. Well, they, they did in the end. I was, first 20 minutes, they were nervous, unquestionably nervous. Yeah. Ange, I said it to uh, my son and my cousin who I was with, I was like, they look nervous, especially Udogi and Van der Veen down that left side. Yeah. Udogi couldn't control the ball in the first 25 minutes. And I think he was so nervous but he grew into the game second half he was fantastic uh, van der veen played very well he didn't have too much to do in the second half rashford uh, sort of positioned himself on romero in the second half in the first half van der veen dealt with him pretty well uh, but do you agree i thought the start there i thought oh god are we going to sit in a low b- why are we sitting in this low block again mm. for the first 20 minutes united had a couple of chances bruno missed an absolute sitter rashford i think was offside with his questionable chance. penalty i think it's a penalty I, I, I think last season it's a definite penalty. Yeah, I would have been furious if we didn't get it, but, um, you know. It's a weird one out. in the context of the Women's World Cup final as well, where that was given. Um, yeah, I think she moved her hand to the ball personally. But this is the problem. No one knows anymore. I think. But the point is, we could, we could have easily been behind. Could have easily been behind. United didn't get the decision. Uh, they had one against Wolves, so maybe it's balanced that out. Um, but we grew into the game and admitted it too. Half an hour, we sort of had those two chances. Mm. Um, we hit the bar or the post and or the bar and the post in, mm. in the space of 25 seconds. And I think they started to get confidence from that. Uh, and United had no answer in the second half. It was, and that was Ange ball. It wasn't, we didn't sit in, we didn't counter. We took the game to them. And I think nothing demonstrated Ange ball more than our second goal. You've got Ben Davies, who's come on to replace Adogi at left back. And he's run in a straight line mm. from more or less the, the, the D in the centre circle from the United side in a straight line and he's found himself on the more or less the corner of the six-yard box. That is where Ange wants his full-backs to end up running, it playing, because they come inside, don't they, and then they go there. And that's where Ben Davis has found himself. And yes, it was a scuffed shot, but that, I thought, encapsulates Very hard it. to defend against that. And we did this three times, maybe four in the game. Um, and I look back at it, did trying to do a little analysis piece where I work. Diagonal ball into the box on the floor. Not long, just 10, 15 yards. Son did one in the first mm. half when Saar had that sort of shot and then the rebound. Mm. Uh, Perisic did it for the Davies goal. And we did it once more to someone I can't remember. Celtic did it a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult to defend because you don't know where the runners come from. Mm. One minute it's Ben Davies. Before it was Saar. Um, Richarlison made one of those in the first half. Uh, that's just that's coaching, right? You can see yes. already... That they have been coached. I love that. I love because you've led me into what I want to say. Because when I saw the starting lineup and I saw Poro right back, I, I really, really was concerned that with their pace on the wings, they were going to do us. I mean, uh, we got done a couple of times against Brentford uh, on, on on the wings with 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 the space in behind, and I could just see that that. Was well, I think how. that's why because Emerson Poro is quicker than Emerson. Yeah, but is he defensively as good in the one on one? And you know, and and the question about Poro has been, can he play that position? Coaching. The geezer played... I thought Poro was great. I thought he did you really well. You talk about well. defending one-on-one. I think in this system, you're, the chances of you being... We were in the first 20 minutes. It felt very much like the United game last season. How often are you going to be one-on-one in this? Oh, you're uh, chasing, but you're recovery defending. If you're quick, agree. you're not really in a one-on-one situation. Agreed, but, but the, the, the bigger point I'm making is that our, everybody's concern was where is Poro going to play in this team? We spent 45 million on this geezer, 40 million, whatever it is. And actually, it looks like we're now going to play a system that won't suit him and won't, and won't get the best out of him. But actually, he slotted in and did really, really well. Talk about coaching. Saar, four, four approaches they had for him in the summer. Is that right? Club signing, by the way. Club, Club signing. signing. Yeah. Yeah. Four approaches they had and, and Postacoglu said, no, this geezer ain't going anywhere. I want to work with this guy. There's right? another club signing he, next to him in midfield as well, apparently. Basuma. Wow. Yeah, I mean, wow. I'm, I'm not going to... I mean, listen, uh, uh, you know my feelings on Basuma. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I told you. I mean, anybody with with, with, with vision can see that the guy is a genius, um, apart from, apart from, apart from the other manager. We've got some brilliant numbers well, Basuma, on Basuma. Basuma is looking like the player that we thought we'd signed, yeah. 100%. The only thing we, I'll knew, s- we knew we'd signed. We knew we'd signed. Someone didn't bother. 100%. Yeah. The only thing he I'll doesn't understand the system. He, uh, that was, was, that, was that what he no, said? He's, he's a serial winner. I've decided he's not a serial winner. He w- became a serial a moaner. Si- won something on the back of a serial packet to become a manager. I don't know what that guy was seeing. And right. we're all told, we because we've not played the game, we don't know and Conte must know. Well, he didn't know. No. Let's move on because we've got a 
really positive manager now. Let's keep this. Positive. I want to yeah, move on because I want to. I don't want to move on because I want to give you the, the no. Move on numbers. from move on from the misery that that was Conte. I'm going to give you some stats on Ibisuma. All right. Um, if I can find them, I found them. So this is his per ninety minutes from last se- compared last season compared to this season. I know we've only played two games, but you, it's per ninety minutes, so it's averages. Touches overall in the match last season. 77, this season 106. So he's already nearly touching the ball 30 times more. Per 90 minutes. Passes in the opposition half. Last season 34, this season 57. Dribbles attempted. Four per match this season compared to just one per match last season. That bloke was in shackles last season. Yep. was not allowed to do anything. Yep. I think, but I think that's probably uh, an illust- it's sort of a repli- replica of the rest of the team. I mean, this the way that we are now playing. The shackles are off, as as you know, we, we've we've kind of discussed. Conte, even Mourinho, it was don't lose first. Now it's we're going out to try and win the game, and if we concede a few doing it, so be it. But we're going to score for sure. And now you bank us, you bank Tottenham to score a couple of goals every game. Whether of course we can stop the other team from scoring okay. two or three as well is, is, is the point, is the problem perhaps going forward. What about the goalkeeper? What about him? Because I sat here, Nothing to say. guilty, I was like, I'm not sure. You, you'd sold him after the first game. No, no. You'd had him dropped at Jake least. Jake sold him. Right. Let, let, let's, be, let's be real, right? One swallow does not a summer make, yeah? Mm-hmm. So he's had... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> swallow the po- poetry guide or something. Um, no, listen, he had a very good game. A very good game. Um, Which he needed. I think it was really he, important. He, yeah, he, he definitely he made, he made a big, big save off Rashford early on um, when, when he came out at yeah, uh, 0-0. He, made, he yeah. made a couple of big saves. People will remember the, the, the two headers that he got up to and tipped over the bar. For me, the better save was the one when Rashford went in and he came out and got a big hand up to it. That was a huge save at a big moment in the match, actually. Um, but it comes back to this whole thing where people want to draw conclusions very, very quickly mm. about all manner of things. Well, Kulisewski was dead in the water after 20 minutes against Brighton on his debut in the FA Cup. I yeah, d- exactly. I mean, the only player I've written off that quickly was our... Uh, Paolo uh, Tremazani. Pa- Paolo Tremazani. Took a fan throw away to Wimbledon and you said to me... 10 minutes in. <laughs> he, 10 minutes he in. He was so bad. And I said, Gary, come on. It's been 10 minutes. And after about 13 no, minutes... No, it was at the end of 90 when you were right. <laughs> no, I don't think it was that. I think it got to 13 <laughs> minutes and I went, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. He's the only player I've ever, I've ever been willing to write off that quickly, right? Yeah. But generally, come on, just give him a chance. And, and look, Vicario is going to make mistakes. He's still young comparatively for a keeper. Van de Ven is going to make mistakes. The team are going to make mistakes. They did against United. But it goes back to as long as we can see them growing and developing and improving and playing in the right way with a good spirit. And the spirit was crucial, by the way. Uh, and the spirit around the squad at the moment. And around the fans, I just talked about it, but the whole cl- everyone just seemed to be uh, on it. We, we speak about the, the, the drum and the trumpet, we, we, brilliant additions to, to, to the stadium. Um, but we spoke about the atmosphere previously, and we said, you know, if you play a brand of football that you get behind, it We're will unite you. everyone, yeah. and everybody will be behind it. You mentioned what would have happened if we'd have gone 2-0 down. But... You also went on to say, we're always going to try and score goals. And I think that's exactly what would have happened. We would have got a goal back and oh, it would yeah. have been electric. And yeah. and that and the focus would have been on the football as yeah. it should be in the stadium. Couldn't hear the United fans. You don't normally I didn't hear them that. once. No. Good. Didn't notice they were there until they'd left. I like hearing <laughs> United fans. Um, in the street. <laughs> One thing I was going to say about Vicario, I think, mm. um, I think the main difference in what we saw from him on Saturday was that Brentford obviously pressed very, very high up. And they put him, I think, under yes. a bit more pressure. Yes. So what we are yet to know more about, I think, after this weekend's game, because obviously the worry was perhaps how he was with his feet and he looked a bit rushed at times in the first game against Brentford. I don't know if we'll see, maybe at Bournemouth, but that's where I think that was the concern. I mean, we didn't see much of his shot stopping, as it were, against Brentford because he wasn't called into action in the same way. United, he made a couple of fantastic saves. They didn't press him, did they, on the ball? They didn't press him. So I think that was the people's concern. Oh, he looks nervous. And yeah, probably he was a bit nervous and he sprayed a couple of loose balls, didn't he? And he he, he left a couple of the defenders under a bit of pressure. So I don't want to say the jury's still out, but I think we need to, there is more certainly we need to see of him. But I mean, it looks encouraging. If you're going to make saves like that. Um, Romero. I haven't seen him fly. He only played about 12 minutes against Brentford, but he was very calm on uh, Saturday. Maybe the whole vice-captain thing might calm him a little bit. Not so sure. <laughs> Jury's out for you. It's not, it's not like I suggested that he could be the captain oh, on this very pod, you know? You did, but he's not captain. He's vice-captain. No, but listen, I think it's absolutely the right decision for Manchester. Um, I think it's a good decision for Manchester. The other vice-captain, James Madison. Wow. 
Jake said, Jake Sanders said last week, or maybe even the week before, um, not often we sign players you just know are going to be good. Mm. And this guy is great. Obviously, he's great, and we hear that he's having a scan on Monday. We can't have nice things at Tottenham Hotspur. Hopefully, he's all right. Look, he played 90 and he walked off the pitch, but sometimes it's the adrenaline and you take that boot off and your swelling comes up. I'm no doctor, but doesn't uh, sound they great. They were saying it was precautionary, but he's going for a scan. I mean, let, let's see. I, I think I said this, but I possibly said it on this in this very room when we signed him. I don't. I couldn't think in recent years of a more proven, exciting player that has joined Tottenham. I throw throw some names at me in terms of players who we already know have been really good at another uh, Premier League or other club. I mean, no, we've had players that have turned out to be really good, and nobody really knew much about Kulusevski, Benson, Kerr. We we thought might be all right, but. but Madison was a was a serious. I mean, in England, international. Mm. Let's not forget, we don't we haven't signed many in that bracket for no, the last and, few years. And he wore that number ten shirt and uh, the previous incumbent. No, not the word incumbent's the wrong mm. word. No, yeah. it is. It's the right yeah. word. Okay, good. Previous incumbent of that shirt. Yeah, of course it is. Uh, has gone. And what was great was didn't I barely thought about Harry Kane once, and there was no post match, despite Harry Kane not being there. Spurs. I've, I've gone on and done this. Look, neither of us, we scored f- uh, four goals this season and none of the front three have scored any, which is a problem in itself, but also good because we've sat here and gone, we're going to have to get goals from elsewhere. Yeah. Well, we're getting goals from elsewhere and we will continue to do so. The problem will come and they'll talk about Kane is if the goals completely dry up, but I don't think they're going to in the way that we're playing. The, there was... Yeah, I mean, we haven't heard anything about Kane really since the season started. In the sense of, you know, after in the aftermath of Brentford and and in the aftermath yeah. of United. Um, good. Do, yeah, yeah, but good. Do, 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 do we miss him? Okay. Yeah, of course we do. But actually, we? but but actually, well, yeah. yeah, you're going to miss a player of that quality, right? But but actually, you know, I, this is a squad now that is all looking to move forward. They all want to be there. There was. I, I, I can't give the guy credit because I've forgotten I've forgotten his name and I apologise. There was two beautiful photos on Twitter mm. um, uh, in the aftermath of the United game, and the guy who took them I think captioned it. Um, one was the, the 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 Harry Kane team as he was running off having celebrated, in in and, and the the picture was just of him alone sliding on his knees into the corner, and a picture from the exact same position going to that exact same corner of the Spurs team running to celebrate with Saar. Now, that's not to say that Kane wasn't a part of the team, right? But the the analogy, I thought, captured w- was absolutely brilliant because it was the, the Harry Kane team and the Tottenham Hotspur team. And I think the caption above it was uh, the, the Ewing theory. Um, and I, I, I just, I thought it was perfectly captured and, and, and said everything for where we are and where we're trying to go at this moment in time. We have to be a team now because, like you said, not so we weren't a team when he was playing, but there was an argument that he was coming a little bit maybe too big for the team. And I said last week, I don't think Ange is too bothered that he's not here. No, and uh, and what what's exciting, I think, and I know I agree with you, people get very exercised one way or another after a couple of games. Either it's a disaster or it's, it's or really good. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to say that it's, it's really good yet because it is only two games. But the one thing that has made me really, really excited and actually really, really positive hasn't been the results. It's you can see a very, very clear way of playing. And we've talked about it, you know, with the, the centre-backs there and the wingers getting very wide. And, it, and it's worked so far. Mm. Now, it may not work all season, but the fact is you're looking at it going, well, this is something a bit different and it's something that he's had work at three other jobs that he's had. So why can't it necessarily, if it's working after a couple of games, it can only hopefully right. get better. I've had Arsenal fans on my WhatsApp go, you lot are getting carried away. You know, Man, but what you've said, why can't it work? And their response will, will be, well, because Man United, is, is, they've been playing against St Mirren every week. It works when you play St Mirren. Well, we've just played Man United uh, and it's worked after six weeks of the guy on the training ground. No one's asked the question, well, what happens if you do it with better players? Everyone's yeah, always mean, said, oh, it's a worse league. But what happens when you do it with the likes of Son, Madison, Kulisevsky, yeah. Bissouma, uh, you know, the defenders? No, the, the, that's the bit that the, no There's clearly said. a hell of a long way to go. And, and I think Ange knows that there is so much more to come, right? This is only the beginning. But 
What is true is exactly what you just said. There is already a very clear identified philosophy and way of playing, and we looked more involved with a identifiable philosophy after six mm. weeks with Ange yeah. than United did after 18 months with Ten Hag. That's yeah. my personal belief. I couldn't yeah. really see what United were trying to achieve on that day. Yeah. But the other thing that I wanted to pick up on, it just goes back to, to, to what we were discussing a minute ago, the other thing aligned with that philosophy and, and the way we're playing, the other real positive is is the spirit that I think is clear within the team. I loved Son taking the team over to uh, the fans, uh, fans Paul Brentford. I love Madison going around before before the United game, really cheering up every individual member of the team. And I loved you know Romero bigging up uh, a number of players on Insta after the game. He picked up Van de Ven the other day. He picked up I think it was Basuma this week. You know there seems to be a much stronger unity mm. with the players, a much stronger bond all round. And, and, and people, can, other fans can say what they like. I want to ride this wave. Correct. I'm on board. Let's enjoy it. Um, and, and the other, the la- very quickly, mm-hmm. the last thing is, I think the other reason why I am allowing myself to get a bit carried away is that I didn't think we would s- be able to see such a clear outlined way of playing after just two games. Mm. I knew, I, d- I always thought it would happen, but I thought it would take, you know, you've got to give him time. And of course, you do have to give him time. But I, I thought it might be a bit further on before we actually started seeing, not, not, not even wins necessarily, but an actual, right, we know exactly what we're going we're, we're gonna to do. And, and for it to basically take place uh, straight away, I think is what's the most exciting thing about it. I agree. So let's, I'm just going to end the chat on Saturday with a couple more stats, similarly to the Basuma line, but as a team, uh, per game last season, comparing to the two games we've had this season. Uh, passes from our players in, in the opposition half, 375 per game. Last season, 221. Uh, you know, 150 more passes in the opposition half. And, but passes that end in the final third, 209 versus 111. So over, uh, you know, nearly 100 passes more actually ending in the final third, which suggests we're actually more accurate in the final third. A lot of the 111 last year, probably just long balls into the channel, uh, you know, for Kane and, and Son to run onto, certainly for Kane to hold up. We said it, we're going to keep saying it throughout the season. There is a different style to this team. And again, what the fuck was Antonio Conte doing? It goes back to what I was saying in the summer. It's why I never felt we needed an overhaul of this squad because there are clearly some very good players in there. And it's also why I said, no, it, it will be better when a new manager comes in because as long as they appoint somebody who has a philosophy of playing football in, the, in, a, in, a, in a certain style mm. that we want to see... How can it, people were saying, oh, when people say we get relegated this season, all that kind of rubbish. It's like, well, how? It's obviously going to be a lot better. You say we don't need an overhaul of the squad, which links me beautifully into the game against Bournemouth. Because last year we went to Bournemouth and we lost, so we won 3-2. We were 2-0 down. This is a starting eleven against Bournemouth uh, last season away from home. Larissa in goal, well, that'll change. Back three, Sanchez, Longley, Davies. Oof, I knew you were going to, oof. Oof. Emerson Royale. That's why we conceded. <laughs> Emerson Royale, Skip Bissouma, remember him? Hoiberg and Sessignon, Kane and Son up front. Wait. How did we score three goals? Wait. Well, well, Sanchez got dragged after 57 minutes for Eric Dyer. Royale came off for Perisic. Lucas Moura came on at half time. Benton Coeur, uh came on, eventually scored the winner. And Brian Hill came on. So, of those players, oh, Jimmy. players that will start. Jimmy Hill. (laughs) (laughs) The players that will probably start, possibly Emerson, Basuma will start, Hoiberg may have to come in for Madison, Son will start. Guaranteed starters. Surely the Celso comes in for Madison. Okay, fine. Guaranteed starters from that game against Bournemouth, Mm. Son, Basuma. So there has been an overhaul. Well, but some of those guys are there who have now but come back into favour. Dyer's not like going to play. Dyer's not going to play. Langley's not going to play. Yeah. Larissa isn't going to play. Sessignon's not going to play. Hill's yeah. not going to play. Lucas Moore is not going to play. Yeah. The others are injured. Benson yeah. Cole's not going to play. Who? Kane. But the other thing is, sorry, <laughs> you mean, mate? But at no point, no point last season was Lucas Moura or Brian Hill or Davinson Sanchez in our best starting eleven. So I, I, I you know. It makes me feel ill looking at that team. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and we won't see any of them on uh, any of them on Saturday. No. The reason why I like uh, referring to him as Jimmy is because he couldn't be further from Jimmy. Oh, Brian, uh, well, he's alive. Gary. <laughs> 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 right. I'm take this take this down a tone. Always. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to Saturday. Um, 
there comes a point when the Spurs are playing and I'm like, oh God, Spurs are playing now. I can't wait for our next game. No, yeah, I mean, this one game a week is not for me. It's not, but again, I was thinking, I think this is good for this team. They'll be chomping at the bit. They'll be team. chomping at the yeah. bit to play. I know yeah. we've got a bloated squad and we've talked about how that may not help, but the players that are actually going to be in and around the team, they're going to be chomping at the bit every Saturday to play. This is my only game this week. Got to make it count. But it also gives Ange time, the on, time the train. on the train. Yeah. 100%. Time on the train. I was watching the game back. I must have watched it back twice already because I loved it so much. Once I was looking at it from a work point of view. Last night I watched it back because there was nothing else on the telly. And I'm a loser. There wasn't anything on the telly last night. I, I agree with you there. Um, and there was a bit of a, start, a pattern of plan. I just thought, yep, that's from the training ground. God, am I glad he's got so much time on the training ground. Maybe the players don't. The players, yeah, probably, the players probably want to play more games. Uh, of course I do. Uh, and, and, and I want to see more games. I'm desperate for us to, 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 to play more games. But, it, you know, you speak about Postacoglu not being bothered about Ken Going. I think he definitely is bothered but he also knows that he's here for four years, right? And Ken going now, in, in a, it, it, it won't yeah. be forgotten. But the reason I relay that in is because it ties in with, would we want European football? Yeah, because that's the best thing for us. But actually, in this, in We're the context ready. of this season, actually, I think Postacoglu would probably quietly say, in terms of where I want to go over the next two, three, four years, to have this time on the training ground and really, really drill these guys for a week in between games is going to serve us best. And having the Conference League, if that's what it was, is a distraction. He does. He'd you've have got, to, some of these guys would have to hang around as well. It's a distraction. You've got to mix up your team. Yeah. You've got to take away your focus. I, you, I, I want to see us play two or three times a week because I love watching us play, particularly under Ange. Mm. But in the context of things, the one game a week this season, I, I agree with you entirely, is 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 really going to reap yeah. dividends going forward. Right, so we've got one game uh, this week, which is away to Bournemouth. And as always, I thank you for your thoughts on the matter. But we're going to get the thoughts of someone who knows a little bit more, certainly on the opposition. Delighted to be joined by broadcaster and Spurs fan, Paul Belverston. Paul, thank you for coming on. And congratulations, you are the first returning guest on the Echo of Glory podcast. How do you feel about that? I feel I should have party poppers at least. <laughs> Uh, we should have sent some branded party poppers your way. I've also got you on because of your uh, connections to Bournemouth this season. You'll be reporting on them a fair bit. But let's start with Tottenham. Um, thoughts on the game at the weekend? Well, look, like 98% of our fan base, I'm generally pessimistic and uh, glass half full. But, you know, I'm in a very unusual position of feeling like uh, all is right with the world. feel like we've got our Tottenham back. It was... It was wonderful. You know, you can focus on the fact that Bruno Fernandes missed an open goal and another team would have would have slotted in a couple of their other chances. But blimey, it was good to watch, wasn't it? You know, yes, Man United weren't the Man United that perhaps we expected, but Spurs weren't the Spurs that we were expecting, really, particularly, uh, you know, there were flashes of it against Brentford, plenty of good stuff against Brentford, but there was so much good about that performance against Manchester United. It's just so much fun to watch. So, yeah, very much enjoying it. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think everyone uh, would say the same. When we had you on last time, Conte was still the manager. Oh, I think maybe he'd just left, but there was still, Conte was still, uh, the fire was still burning there. You mentioned <laughs> it wasn't the, the, the greatest mood around the, around the camp. Have you heard anything since Ange has come in and, and maybe a, a change in the mood at, Hotsp at the training ground and around the club? There is, absolutely. It's been, from what I'm, being told it is chalk and cheese. It is an incredible turnaround in just six, seven weeks. Um, under Antonio Conte, people, and this is players and staff really, were kind of walking on eggshells, tiptoeing around because they just didn't know what mood the manager was going to be in. He was so volatile and unpredictable and, you know, people could trigger an outburst at seemingly very little. The mood now is, you know, people are not quite skipping around the place but it's it's so much better so much brighter and you know i think you know from the outside you can see very obvious reasons why that might be because this manager is clearly focusing on things the players can do rather than focusing on what they can't the the difference in the likes of Eve Basuma, which you know you spoke about last week of course and every spurs fan has been talking about non-stop for for eight nine days is is remarkable and it's and it's the same with with so many of the players as well they're they're clearly enjoying their football yeah. you know Ange Postecoglou he is he's come from a, a background where he learned so much of the game from one of the all-time legends Ferenc Puskas who he 
you know, the three-time European winner with Real Madrid. He he was the manager of South, South Melbourne when Postacoglu was the captain. But because Puskas didn't really speak any English, but he'd spent time in Greece as a club manager, Postacoglu wasn't just his captain, he was also his driver and translator. So they spent long time in the car mm. where Postacoglu, like a sponge, was just soaking up all this information about leadership, about attacking football and and all that sort of thing. And he's he's also spent time at one of the, the clubs in the city football group. So you can see, you know, that's where the inverted foot fullbacks idea and, and stuff comes from. He he says that he remember you know, he wants to come up with a system where football is fun for everyone again. Everyone really got into the game because as six, seven, eight year olds, you were playing in the street, you enjoyed shooting, dribbling, even tackling, everything about it. And he wants players to have that sort of that fun in their games again albeit knowing that he's going to be judged on results and he has to be successful there's no point coming up with a system that's that's fun but loses every game and I remember a a quote he gave when he was at Celtic where he was basically talking about that and then had this sort of sly grin on his face where the Australian really came out of him and said you know no one likes winning more than I do as well so you know there's all, all of these little elements it just seems so exciting. Yeah, absolutely does. Paul, um, another managerial change, and, and you're covering Bournemouth very closely at the minute. It's one that I don't understand. With Gary O'Neill seemed to me to do a great job last year. Um, and, and his first game at Wolves has clearly made a big impact as well, the way they played against United. What's the story? Why why did they sack him for Andoni Iraola? So they've got a remarkably ambitious owner in Bill Foley, this American businessman who owns the Vegas Golden Knights ice hockey team. You know, that was, that didn't exist six, seven years ago. He got an, an, uh, an expansion franchise in 2016. Their first season was 2017-18. And he said then, he announced, we're going to win the Stanley Cup within six years. In their first season, they got to the final, but lost. In June, they got to the final again, and this time they won it. And that was the sixth year of this six-year sort of prediction. Five days later while he was still celebrating, presumably, he sacked Gary O'Neill because he has bigger and better plans for the club than he felt Gary could deliver. You know, he really did deliver everything they wanted last season. He got them out of all sorts of trouble. They had a, a wonderful April where they won. They, they had this eight-day spell where they played three major relegation rivals in West Ham, Leeds and Southampton. They got thumped by West Ham 4-0, but then they won the other two away at um, oh no, away at Southampton and then at home against Leeds. And having already beaten us and having beaten uh, Leicester in that month of April as well, that was enough for them to be safe. And that mm. was that was job done. But, you know, Bill Foley clearly feels that Gary O'Neill's sort of ceiling is here mm. and he's got ambitions to go a lot further and a lot higher. And he, he, he was very open about it afterwards. He said, look, it... I didn't like making the decision. It was a very tough decision. I've got no doubts that Gary will be a coach, a very successful coach for a long time. He's got this brilliant thing on his CV where he's taken a team. He, he took over a couple of days after they'd been thumped 9-0 at, at mm-hmm. Liverpool. Yeah. And, you know, again, he, he he managed to turn them around pretty much straight away, drew against Wolves, and then they, they won a couple of games before the, the World Cup break. There was, big, there was big talk before the World Cup break that he was going to go then. They stuck with him. So it was a big surprise, and it... It wasn't brilliantly well received on the South Coast, if if I'm honest. But then equally, you know, some of the football last season, it wasn't the greatest to watch. They were they were really scrapping to stay in the division. So when Andoni Iriola was was in was unveiled a couple of hours later, then people sort of were like, Oh, okay, fair enough, because it didn't take a lot of yeah, looking into his plan, pedigree as a manager to plan, yeah. explain why. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And Paul, then, what, how does that translate on the pitch? As you said, they a bit scrappy at times last year. Uh, Gary O'Neill, I, I personally believe, isn't is is more of a progressive manager, I think, than people give him credit for. I think the fact that Wolves snapped him up pretty quickly is probably evidence of that. But obviously, Iriola is, as you said, maybe a notch up. So, so what can we expect to see from them um, at the weekend? So, in his time at Rio Vallecano, his sort of style was described as chaotic but fun. He <laughs> he's not one of these where he will stop training and move players a couple of yards each time because he wants so much organisation on the pitch. He wants players to think for themselves, but he's also, from the 
the high pressing school of management. He wants a lot of the game being played in the opponent's half. Um, so, you know, that's why he's brought in like an, a, a very exciting young attacking fullback like Milos Kerkes. They've got some really good other signings come in, like Justin Clivert. We're all old enough to remember that his dad did a few things in yeah, football. Yeah. Um, David Brooks has come back as well after his incredible recovery from, mm. from cancer and everything he went through. He's looking, he was their top scorer in pre-season. And, and again, he, he's someone we were linked with after his first amazing season in the Premier League. I think he was shortlisted for Young Player of the Year in the Premier League. And, and you know, he's going to score some goals this season. They are going to be very front-footed, Equally, there are going to be some gaps at the back. They've still got that that big Jefferson Lerma-shaped hole in the middle of their midfield. Although the signing of Tyler Adams, which goes with their you know their their campaign to kind of combat America as well, conquer uh, a big portion of the audience over there, that's going to help with him being the American captain. But I think he's injured at the minute. You know, when Chelsea pulled out of the race to sign him, they I'm sure they said that he was out for three or four months or something. I'm I'm told it's nothing. That bad, but I'm not sure we're going to see him immediately. So, you know, against Tottenham, I was there at their their first game against West Ham last week. They weren't great first half. Irola then got into them at half time, and they were much better second half and and came back to draw the game. So, yeah, they're it's going to be it's going to be a, a pretty open end to end game, I think. So, yeah, it could be fun. Could be a little bit nerve wracking as well. Known clubs. Uh so well like you do Spurs have struggled at the vitality uh, in the past 2-0 up last 2-0 down last year came back to win 3-2 um, just struggled there in the past I don't know whether it's a tight pitch or the style that we've played but knowing uh, both teams uh, like you do can we have a prediction for the weekend <laughs> well I think the first couple of times we went there we scored five each time and then then we had that crazy game where we uh, we had nine men for yeah. most of the second half didn't we and yeah. that sort of um, turned it around a bit I think you know, at the moment, I think Bournemouth would always score in a game, but they're not going to score too many until things really start clicking. So, you know, a lot depends on James Madison, doesn't it? Yeah. Because if he, you know, if he, if if the scan doesn't go our way and he and he suddenly faces a few weeks out, then then he leaves a big hole in uh, in in our plans. So, you know, let's let's cross our fingers, be optimistic again, and and say that he'll be in and I, I think we'll win 3-1 okay take that I'll tell you <laughs> absolutely <laughs> take, I'll take 1-0 but uh, Paul we don't do 1-0s anymore we don't no. 2-0s I was surprised we even got a 2-0 yeah uh, Paul brilliant to have you on again uh, you're one away from the hat trick so uh, uh, get ready for that soon uh, we'll definitely have you on again during the season of course uh, thanks for your insight and, and once again thanks for joining us cheers Paul no worries thanks chaps good to talk to Belvers again uh, one away from his hat trick um I, I'm not worried. But I'm not worried about Bournemouth. I think them having a new manager. Whilst we've got a new manager, this sounds silly because the Bournemouth fan probably tell me it's the same for them. I feel like our new manager. I know what we're going to get. I'm not sure Bournemouth know what they are yet. Uh, as 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 Paul was describing this manager's philosophy, I thought he was describing Ange. It sounds. Mm-hmm. It it does sound quite similar. Um, I think chaos in there. Chaos. <laughs> just yeah, like. But I think front Ange foot might be a bit pressing, chaos. front foot yeah. pressing, and all that sort of thing. You know, at the end of the day, if that's how they're going to play, then I'd like to think we've got the better players, and I think we do look more settled and into the way we're going to play. We're still young in our evolution, yeah. as are they. Anything can happen in a football game, but I'd be disappointed to not take three points. Well, you would, especially after the fact that we've got a draw and a win after the first two games. You look at that and you go, well. We drew away at Brentford. We beat United at home. Got to be. Got to be. That's Bournemouth. not how Tottenham Hotspur works. Well, it's not how Whoever the Premier League works against. either. And of also, um, I know he spoke about uh, the first half against West Ham in their first game. They they did all right though in the second half, um, in that first game at home. And you know, obviously they had troubles last season. And the new manager, it can be a tough place to go though, as we as we spoke about. Uh, so any away game is always tough. But but we've got three games now. I think off the top of my head, the next three league games are Bournemouth, Sheffield United, and Burnley before we play right. Arsenal and Don't Liverpool. Do that prediction thing. No 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 no. But the point is, these three games are actually massive. Like we have to win them in the context of the season before you play Arsenal and Liverpool. Um, it's really important. Any away game is tough, but and there are certain away them. games. We've got a lot of away games. We play th- only three more times at home between the start of November. Today is August the twenty-first, and we don't. We only have three home games between now and the start of November. Yeah. 
We've then got three home games out of four in December. Our away games are stacked up early. Do Arsenal play 25 okay. games at home and 13 away? Arsenal play 25 games at home. Is that what happens? Yeah. It feels like <laughs> it, isn't it? it must be. But, you know, I don't mind that so much because then come the end of the season, you have a, a run of home games. And yeah. it, it, I think it's probably better off. I think you're better off that way around, personally. Okay. Um, my fa- Can I just tell you my favourite okay. bit of Ange last week? I think it was last week when they asked him about um, all his mates. That He was talking about all his mates who play football manager. Oh, not fancy, for, uh, fancy football, sorry, fancy football. Yeah. And he goes, um, so it was something along the lines of, um, it's not a fantasy anymore. Because I'm a real Premier League manager now, mate. <laughs> I was like, yes. He's living the dream. Yes, and you this are. is, apart from playing Real Madrid uh, when he was Celtic manager, Saturday, he'll probably tell me, mate, all my games are massive with his husky voice that I can't do. Mate. Got to be. Doesn't he sound like the Australian Sean Dyche? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I worry about his health. <laughs> I need to get some cough medicine. Um, that was Saturday, would have been probably the biggest game in his career. Celtic, Real Madrid at home in the Champions League may top that, but. And he got through it, and that's also key. Because if he hadn't, they'd have been out. Or he's drawn one, or drawn two, or lost one, drawn one. So important to get through that with the way that we played as well. That's it. You know, that's why I say the next three games are actually massive. Because if we turn in good performances and get positive results, then all this it's going to be a slow start. Whatever happens against Arsenal and Liverpool, we've given ourselves a real platform to push on if we get positive results in the next three games. Talking about Liverpool, another stat that came out of. Uh, that I found uh, was that Liverpool now the only team we've not beaten at home in the Premier League mm, yeah. at the new stadium so hopefully we can put that to bed we hadn't beaten United we now have so it's just Liverpool and we've got them coming up in a few weeks right I need a haircut <laughs> in fact I really need to go and have a haircut it's going to be late um, <laughs> prediction please I, I like Belver's one uh, I'm 3-1 Tottenham yeah Spurs win do I need a scoreline Yes, please. 4 1. Uh, I'm going to go 2 1. Maybe. No, I'm going to go 2 0. Richardson's getting a brace, by the way. Okay. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> Why not? Um, I'm not here next week. Are you, Jake? Are you going to. I'll be here. You're going to sit in this chair? I'll sit in that chair. Okay. Keep it. I'll keep it warm for you. Okay. Uh, Gary, you'll be back next week. Yeah, as long as I haven't been lynched for anything that I've said today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Um, it was good look I agree with everything that you said uh, thank you for the first time you might be the only one <laughs> uh, for the first time um, gentlemen thank you I'll see you in a couple of weeks uh, up the Spurs